They're buying into the glamour. Everybody wants to own a restaurant. When you open your staff costs are way too high, your paints, you know, your, your, your wastage on everything's yeah. too high, stuff's getting nicked because you haven't got all the control procedures yeah. properly in. Naturally enough, you probably drink too much. I mean, drinking is, is you know, endemic, your, your, your occupational hazard. Um, you, you know, so you, you tend to try and sort of block the stress out of it. I was so entrenched, so determined to make it work at all costs that I missed several opportunities to, uh, to get out when I could have done. I think I borrowed a million off Bank of Scotland. I should never have taken that on. You've got to know when to cut your losses. You know, everybody was telling me at the time, you know, if you've got something that's hemorrhaging like that, just get out. Because you're really stressed as yeah. well. You're in a sort of deep stress situation. Every day is hell. And so, so you're not thinking straight. I got crippled, not just financially, but reputation-wise, yeah. emotionally. You know, that just totally, you know, knocked me for six, really. Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival and the revolutionary Event Crowd, our new online events course. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. So if you want to hear more like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a glowing review, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I reply to every single message. Andy Price's four decades in business is a true example of the journey of a proper entrepreneur. He's taken multi-million pound risks, created and nurtured hugely successful businesses, and he's always looking for a new angle. He has also experienced the tough side of entrepreneurship. The failures, the pressures, the big financial losses, and the inevitable mental and physical toll it takes on a person. From advertising to amusements, bowling alleys to bars, and virtual reality to restaurants, Pricey has put his hand to absolutely everything. He's very open about his successes and failures and how he deals with his daily pressures. Here is the eventful life of my close friend, Mr. Andy Price. Pricey, welcome to the show, mate. Oh, good to be here, Dodge. Uh, I know we live uh, in the same town, but don't very often get... An hour like this to Absolutely. chat. Absolutely. Well, uh, uninterrupted. Uninterrupted, unless we're at festivals or on holiday or yeah. in Ibiza. On <laughs> <laughs> <Or> my. <laughs> anyway, let's get cracking. Let's roll all the way back, Pricey. Where did you grow up and how did you first get into that entrepreneurial world of hospitality? Uh, well, I, I grew up there in, um, I was born in a, a fishing village called uh, Beer in Devon, which was you know, quite appropriate. And uh, then um, my father got hepatitis C working on the railways. He would got it from bananas or something. He was in the hospital for months. Uh, and uh, hold, so, on, hold on, hold on. He got hepatitis C from bananas? From, from He was a shunter. Was he? Yeah, so no, I think it was an assistant shunter okay. on, on the railways. Okay. And uh, on one occasion, shunting some bananas <laughs> coming from somewhere. He got hepatitis B, actually. Okay. I don't okay. think you would see hepatitis B or hepatitis C. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just as I was born. So, you know, I he was uh, in hospital for months and mm. months. And my mother, I think, struggled to bring me up in this sort of attic. Uh, flat in this fishing village, especially beer. being seven foot tall, yeah, seven to foot, twelve, <laughs> seven foot tall. Uh, you couldn't fit in the pram, and uh, obviously cried a lot. You know, made a lot. And they, 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 I think they nicknamed me, nicknamed me the uh, beer seagull. Mm. Uh, anyway, from there, uh, my parents moved to Bournemouth when I was about three, mm. and they were uh, devout Christians. Yeah. And so dad uh, managed to get a job selling um, Christian books and Bibles for a, uh, a Christian sort of uh, organisation. Uh, and I remember that the indignity of being dropped off at junior school in a blue van with emblazoned down the side, a Bible in every home. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Is that right? I never so knew that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and... Uh, from there, he went on to become like a, you know, uh, a minister of uh, preacher, sort of free minister of Was that uh, right? Churches. I never knew yeah. that about it, Pricey. Wow. Yeah, so he's a preacher man. Wow. And, uh, and you're son of a preacher man. Son of a preacher yeah. man. And uh, 
uh, I went to school uh, here at Oakmead, mm. uh, which is in um, Kinton, which is sort of West Howway, mm. which is quite a sort of tough area. Mm. Uh, all boys' school, mm. very strict. Um, but my parents sent me because I, uh, I hadn't interested in. I was interested in farming. I wanted to be a farmer. Is that right? <laughs> wow! And the school had a little farm, so I do the farm in the morning go to school and then do a paper round in the evening. And that's when I was thinking like, you know, then I get two paper rounds of three. And, yeah. uh, you know, cause I was tall, I lagged it, uh, you know, I think you had to be 12 or something and I was 10, yeah. but I was already six foot five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, then um, anyway, school uh, didn't go particularly well. I got suspended uh, from school just before um, the exams uh for locking the rural science teacher in the stationary cabinet <laughs> in the stationary cupboard and then at the same time uh uh my uh grandmother had bought me a moped and i had a, a really bad accident on that and was in hospital for a few months so didn't get any qualifications yeah uh not that it would have made any difference um and actually, the uh, moped accident was on the way uh, to a job shelf stacking <laughs> with someone like Price Wright or whatever. Mm. So that's how my career was going to start. Yeah. Left without any uh, qualifications, started uh, in a couple of factories, went on to building sites, sort of hog carrying and bricklaying, and then decided to leave for London at about 18, 19. So yeah. I suppose this late... Um, uh late 70s late 70s late 70s so i hit london okay. late 70s uh party central right yeah it was strange then um and what's uh, that feeling like for you becoming like a bournemouth lad on the coast nice lifestyle and all of a sudden going straight into the mix in london well just like uh you know i, I had nowhere i uh had no idea where i was going so i left home at i suppose just about 16 mm. and uh went straight into a hostel because that's the only place yeah. you go. S s eight evening standard every day, into the red telephone box, calling every job, yeah. and then got a job uh, living in a pub uh, in St. John's Wood, uh, where I met uh, uh, one of the waitresses, a lady called Jill, and we uh, got it together, and she had a nice flat in West Ken, and I moved into... <laughs> Slipped straight in there, West Ken. <laughs> <laughs> no off measure, yeah, yeah, straight yeah, into Kensington. Straight into West Kensington. <laughs> and uh, she uh, then decided she was going to emigrate to Australia. So she left me this apartment in West Kem. Uh, so, you know, progressed sort of through a variety of jobs until I was uh, head of sales uh, for a life insurance unit called Acorn Growth in um, King's Cross. Yeah. And King's Cross was. Yeah. Pretty grubby. Yeah, it's rough, but, wasn't yeah, it? It was rough. Yeah. Focus and drugs and amusement arcades. Yeah, that's right. Probably inspired me. Inspired you? <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a that's good, a good journey. <laughs> and uh, in, so I ran this unit of uh, salespeople. It was pretty hardcore sales. It was run by two. Uh, selling? What were you selling? Life insurance. Life insurance, okay. But the life insurance policy was geared towards women because it had various clauses yeah. in it that protected them, yeah. supposedly, if they got pregnant, yeah. they didn't have to make the payments and yeah. so on. And we used to litter the tube stations yeah. with all the leaflets. Flyer in. And, and, yeah. and anybody that picked it up or called, we would be straight in, you know, with, with that lead, run by a really uh, heavy couple of Persian boys who were, you know, were proper gangsters. Yeah. Uh, anyway... In came, into my sales unit uh, came a couple of likely lads who were both at um, doing medicine at Oxford. Mm. And they came into my unit. I was teaching them how to sell, basically. And they, they were keen and uh, uh, very good at it. They eventually ended up moving into the flat in West Kent, showing the flat in West Kent, which was lively given that the two guys that joined my sales unit was uh, Hugh Osmond and uh, Luke Johnson who uh, uh, did the Pizza Express deal they bought it off uh, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was, I know David Page was involved but yeah. they, they bought the original setup and right? created Pizza Express and then oh, wow. Hugh went on to do uh, Punch Taverns 
Oh, wow. Massive. Uh, Pearl Insurance. Mm. Um, he, uh, Luke's got, um, he went into the restaurant business. He bought the Caprice Group, which had, you know, Ivy, uh, Daphne's, uh, and Cheekies. Uh, uh, and yeah. then uh, he did the Belgo deal, and then he bought, he, he bought many, you know, a whole load of chains of restaurants and done, you know, a lot of deals. And I haven't seen these guys since, but yeah. he, he they, he's then got... Um, he got on to big things, right? So I, I think that was, you know, sort of starting in London, sort of seeing, you know, the scene and uh, how much opportunity there was. We were doing a one-night club in Oxford. We took the club on a Thursday night because the guys were at Oxford Uni and yeah. t- had a, a, a one one night a week club night that we yeah. took over Luke uh, Hugh and I uh, then um, about early 80s I suppose 82 83 I came back to Bournemouth uh, pick up a job selling advertising space mm. uh, for a couple of local newspapers and they were dodgy newspapers one was called the Bournemouth Informer uh, which was run by <laughs> a very dodgy guy uh, you know Basically, they they were they were factoring. So every time you you sold an ad, factoring meant back then they call it invoice discounting. Now, yeah. but you'd get the money in advance. Yeah. So I'd be selling a, a ten by two, and he'd just put it through as a thirty by three. Yeah. You know, and get paid <laughs> up, on, and then the client would be coming back to me and say, "Well, you know, I'm not paying for thirty by three. Yeah. I said, "That's not my fault." But every time I found an advertising agency, they they you know answered, "Oh, one do one." You know, we're not talking to you. All that shit. Yeah. Bad. That you yeah. work for, yeah. So I thought, well, hang on, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong side of the fence here, yeah. So I need to be in the agency yeah. world. Now, I was never going to get a job in the agency world, no qualifications, been messing around in London for a few yeah. years, and been you know selling ads on the worst newspaper in, in Europe. And, um, so what I was start, that? What was that newspaper? Uh, I did two, uh, one called the Bournemouth Informer, uh, which anybody who was around in sort of uh early 80s, uh, who lives locally or member. Uh, and the other one was called the South Coast Express. Okay. You know, both hardcore, you know, we're going to do a feature on double glazing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, phoning yeah. direct windows saying, I've oh, got a feature on double glazing. You know, it's a cost, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, can you take 15 by two? So I thought I'd just start my own ad- advertising agency. Okay. And um, so, you know, the yeah, first name that came to head was my initials, ALP. Yeah. And uh, I sent out a mailer to all these companies saying, look, I think it said something along the lines, of, you know, annual fee of 75 quid yeah. and I'll come in and, you know, do some of your media buying and sort some of your artwork and yeah. advise on your advertising. Yeah. Anyway, that, that developed. And so what age were you here then? That, that was the bit when you really went solo, right? At the age of what? Well, so early not, 20s? Uh, so solo ALP advertising uh, was started. And I know this because I got uh, somebody, I, I, I got one of those letters from a pension company that said, you know, Zurich saying, uh, your pension from uh, uh, your, uh, this company called ALP advertising, which started in ni- 1984. Yeah. A little bonus. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, uh, so 1984, so I would have been 23. Mm. And uh, LP Advertising grew to quite a big agency. We have we specialised in pretty much in bad boys like motor dealers, uh, you know, top glazing guys. Yeah. We had, uh, we did quite a lot of... We had clients like uh, Richard Carr, who was in his ascendancy then with um, uh, Allied Leisure, yeah. uh, which... He just sold the burger bars, yeah. uh, the, the the Burger Kings. Richard had, I think, seventeen of them or something. He had. He started with the one in Boscombe, the Hanby House. Then I think he got the M4 corridor, and then he got Leicester Square and not uh, Nottingham and a few other central mm. London ones. So, they, where, so where was the point in you then? Then you were going. You know what? I've been selling advertising agency. I've set up my own company. I'm back in Bournemouth. I'm enjoying the lifestyle down here, the beaches, the people. Because yeah. back then in the eighties, I'd imagine it's very different to how it sits today. You know, yeah. today is very much lots of bars, lots of restaurants, lots of happening down here, lots of tourists coming down. I'm sure there was loads of tourists in the eighties as well. But for you, when was the turning point when you're going? I really want to get into hospitality. Okay, yeah, 80s w- w- was fantastic because, yeah. you know, especially in advertising because, you know, it'd be normal to go out for a curry and 10 pints, uh, yeah. you know, on a Tuesday lunchtime with a client. 
you know, the Echo had its own social class. That's right, yeah. Which, you know, it was it was a great period that was so not serious, really, yeah. in terms of business. Then, uh, so uh, in 1991, the recession hit. Yeah. Interest rates went up to 16 17%. Um, and, you know, it was impossible trading uh, a service industry. Uh, the agency went into admin, and I picked up on the experience that I, I gained from acting for Allied Leisure when uh, Richard had the bowls and the uh, clubs, and but he also opened a few amusement arts. So he had, what, he had bowling alleys and nightclubs? Yeah, he did the start with and the venue, amusement, uh, uh, and then he did a few um, tower park, okay. and then he did a few amusement arcades. And I, I was working on these arcades. I think this is great. You, yeah. You're sticking all these network driving games like yeah. Final Lap Two and stuff, and you know this is quite a serious business. And then I watched a documentary on, um, and that was Tomorrow's World. Uh, back in the day, Tomorrow's World, and they were doing a feature on virtual reality. How yeah. You could get this machine, you put this over your head, and you could you know walk around in a three D yeah. world. So I thought, well, that's great. I thought, well, you know, let's have a go on this. Uh, where's the busiest place I could put that? And I thought, well, uh, Gatwick Airport, got to be the busiest thing. Oh, you went straight in for the big Went straight in for Gatwick. Yeah. Got through to the uh, team concession people who dealt with the uh, leisure and coin op yeah. uh, concessions. They said, great idea. We like it. How does it work? And said, well, actually, you know, you put two pounds in it and you get the experience. And yeah. they said, ah, that's, that, that's coin op. So uh, we have a coin-op concessionaire uh, who ran anything from, uh, uh, and they, they, uh, gaming wasn't allowed on the airport, so yeah. from a video uh, to, you know, the condoms in the toilets or whatever. Um, and they said, has it happened? So his contract's coming to, or their contract, they were quite a big company, coming to an end, would you like to tender for it? Brilliant. Having been in advertising, I knew nothing about amusements at all. I mean, literally yeah. nothing. Um um, other than I'd seen this virtual reality on tomorrow as well. So, but I could put a document together. Yeah. So I put a 300-page document together on absolutely saying nothing. Yeah. And they said, oh, we really like that. But, you know, how much are you offering us? Yeah. Oh, well, they wanted money up front to, no, to no, have your pitch it, or they wanted no, a cut? No, what, what, so they take a cut. Yeah. So they take a percentage of sales, Okay. Um, a large percentage of sales, because you've not, they know you've not really got much overhead other yeah. than the machines. Yeah. Um, and supported by a minimum guarantee so then you that's where you have to go ball steep so yeah. like uh, and the, i think my first minimum guarantee at gatwick was three hundred and sixty thousand. wow was the minimum guarantee so hold on a minute you've got a you've got an idea that you've seen from richard carr in the amusement world well i think the arcade was right you know right in the zone of what was happening yeah. you know this was the new thing and this was all embryonic at the time um, right yeah they were called mm -hmm. uh, instead of amusement arcades they got rebranded family entertainment centers okay so you took the idea and said you know what? i'm going to straight into getwig yeah i'm going to take one two or three uh gaming arcades with me uh no i didn't have any this was my first job you know i'd just come out of advertising yeah. uh, uh, you know agency had gone bust I'm, i didn't have a job sent this uh, letter into Gatwick yes. saying, "Can I put a virtual reality machine on on your airport?" They said, "Okay, you'll have to take all of it." Yep. If if you win the tender, and your minimum, and they wanted, and the minimum was three hundred and sixty grand. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Sixty percent of all sales uh, with a minimum of three hundred sixty thousand. Now okay. I really was bluffing. Yeah. Because um, you didn't know I, how much you didn't know how much unless you knew how much the previous people were doing. No, well, but to be fair, they, they, they were pretty helpful okay. uh, because I think they saw that I was going to bring a lot of new energy to yeah. it. And, to, to, you know, that also I was, you know, likely to be honest, yeah. you know, uh, as an individual as opposed to, you know, a lot of the sort of corporations that were running the meetings yeah. and fairgrounds and so on. And Having said that, they having worked with a lot of the, the fairgrounds and amusement operators, they're some of the most honest people. Absolutely, ever agree. You know, you know, deal is a deal. Agree. Uh, so anyway, I, I won the tender. Um, I didn't have the money for the machines. I found out who the main supplier was—a company called Deep Leisure, who were supported by Sega—and uh, went down there and said, "Look, you know, I've got this deal uh, on the airport. I need." You know, I think it was 150, 200 machines. Um, you know, a load of dough because these were about 10, 12 grand each. These yeah. uh, super machines. What to buy? To buy. Okay. And so then I cut a deal with Deeth Stroke, C Sega, who um, took a percentage of yeah. my 
operating yep. company, which is then called Telepublic. Yeah. So just a shelf name, I think. And uh, they supplied all the machines. Yeah. And that was it. And, and from, from there, I went on to actually uh, to have every airport, you know, from sort of Bournemouth Airport up to Presswick Airport in Scotland. Uh, Scotland. So we had Fantastic, more. Fantastic, man. So it was, it, it was so you jumped business. in. Do you know what I think? I, I, I'm a big believer that naivety is a wonderful thing in business. Mm. And you've just nailed it on the I head. was going to say that today. Yeah. It was one of the points I wanted to make that... Um, that it's such an asset when you you don't uh, well, 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 you you just believe in yourself yeah and you know you can do it yeah and you don't get the negative thoughts yeah. and doubts that you know haunt you for the rest of your life yeah. really you know now I'm you know so much more cautious and yeah. don't have that beautiful we you know get on with it yeah um but I was so naive that when I emptied these machines the first time. You used to have to shovel, you know, we'd call them pushers, but you know the coin cast yes. you'd have to shovel yeah. the 10 piece out of these things. So yeah. I had a little office, and the whole office was just full of bags and bags and bags and bags coins. and bags of coins. <laughs> so I thought, you know, what am I going to do with this? So and, uh, you know, I had a desk, so I sat there for a few days, day and night, flicking them off, flicking <laughs> off, and I thought, is this the rest of my life? Yeah, filthy, dirty, yeah. you know, like absolutely disgusting uh, job sitting in a sweaty little back office in Gatwick. And I thought, this is it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then I thought, well, there's got to be a better way in this. There must be a trade journal or yeah. something. And I, I found, because there was no internet then, yeah. and and that made uh, business so much easier yeah. in a way because. You could just get on with stuff. Yeah. You, you could, um, you know, if, if you were ballsy and did your research, yeah. you were going to be ahead of the game yeah. because nobody else knew anything. Yeah. You know, uh, you, if you found out stuff, you were going to be, uh, you were going to succeed That's because right. nobody else knew how to do it. Yeah. There, was, there was no information. There's loads of positives about business back in the 80s and 90s and 2000s before yeah. the internet, before social media. Well, I so many generation. Yeah. You know, how many mutual mates have we got yeah. that have, have all been, you know, mostly entrepreneurs yeah. have all been hugely successful. Yeah. Uh, you know, our generation, certainly mine, you know, yeah. the 60s uh, kids you know, mm. have, did very well. Mm. I'm not in your generation, mate. What? <laughs> I'm an 80s always, kid. About. I'm an 80s kid. Nineteen <laughs> as well as you were. Like, you need to get some early nights. Mate. I know, mate. I know. Eleventeen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me the journey there. So you were like thinking, right, arcades. I'm onto a winner here. I know how much cash I'm, I'm bringing yeah. in here. Did you scale that business up? You scaled that business up to go national around yeah. all the different airports. What was your next move from there? Well, we tried to go international. Really? <laughs> and uh, we tried to get into uh, Dubai and all those type of places, but we suffered, we, we failed at that. Um, but then, uh, you know, this was my second uh, big business failure in a way because, uh, you know, the advertising agency had become, uh, you know, big. we bought another advertising agency and we had a recruitment agency and so on, which went in 1991. And then, um, well, it went bust then because of the yeah, recession. Yeah, the recession then. This one, we had uh, a similar situation. So, uh, say early. How many years were you doing the arcades for? Um, roughly. Oh, a good, uh, good, good ten years. Oh. Um, and in that time, I then started several other businesses. Um, uh, there was a, a chap, a guy called Michael Appleton, who um, uh, had been a protege of David Lloyd. And I built David Lloyd Leisure Clubs yeah. with him, and he was next Schroeder's future analyst, and one yeah. of the brightest guys I'd ever met. Yeah. But David Lloyd had chucked him out, and he decided to. His mate owned County Mail Shopping Centre in Crawley, which was just down the mm. road from uh, Gatwick, and uh, he decided he wanted to put amusement arcade in County Mail Shopping Centre. Now, I don't know if you've been to Crawley, but you know it's it's quite a hairy area, yeah. you know, especially for an amusement arcade, yeah. and. Uh, uh, he came to me saying, well, you're the nearest, you've got the operation at Gatwick. Do you want to go uh, halves on this amusement arcade in, in uh, County Mount Crawley? Which uh, we themed American and called Downtown USA. Uh, and then from that, uh, uh, he lived in Woking and the, he was quite friendly with the Woking Council. And there was an old Asda superstore that had been converted into the most uh, terrible uh bar and sort of bowling alley and, um, and, and pool room and a really dreadful hotel 
in the bar they were you know had some uh, knackered old um uh, uh american bomber plane in the ceiling mm. which still had fuel in it mm. and the hotel was had been taken over by security and was pretty big, uh, being used for drugs and prostitution yeah. The place was shocking. So the council said, look, you know... There's, that, gonna... there's that link from 20 years before, isn't there? That whole arcade drugs prostitution thing popping up again. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily that's where I learned my <laughs> lesson <laughs> and it never, 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 tried, never crossed my path <laughs> again. But, uh, 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 and that's where we, we took that over and then built a, a bowling business. Yeah. Uh, and we had six or seven bowling alleys. Is um, that right? What, in different parts or in, in just in Woking? Uh, from... Uh, from Woking to uh, Bury in uh, in uh, East Anglia, so we built uh, uh, we had eight uh, bowling alleys, which we bought all freehold. Brilliant. Um, and and that was uh, a partner. Yeah, I was partner, joint managing director of that. The amusement business then suffered from it. All started from a, a variety of things. Uh, the the uh, we had volcanic ash. Which which closed all the airports and Is that right? we were still kept onto our minimum guarantees because it was an act of God. So yeah. um, so they were still putting three hundred sixty grand around your yeah. neck to say um, well, that was that the deal. Just one airport, so wow. you know, so it was huge on the others. Yeah. Um, uh, there was uh, you know another uh, 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 recession here. Um, a, uh, the internet had come in and was yeah. really so we're, we, we're talking two thousands now, are we? Yeah. In the meantime, actually, then still whilst I had the building and amusement business, um, because we had a, a leisure company based in um, Bournemouth, yeah. uh, Bournemouth Council wrote to us, the Game Group company, and said, look, we're going to privatise some of our assets right? locally. Uh, one of them uh, is, is the takeaway on the West Beach of Bournemouth, which was a grubby little takeaway on on. On 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 where well next to Bournemouth Pier, yeah, which is now West Beach West Beach Restaurant, yeah, which is yours, juicy 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 juicy. We'll <laughs> juicy, go on to juicy juicy, juicy in a minute. <laughs> uh, and so that's that's how the uh, the West Beach thing happened. So that's when your restaurant. So I'm I'm just I'm I'm gaining a picture here that the arcade sort of stemmed it off, then the bowling alleys. But back in then there wasn't many bowling alleys, and there wasn't I guess many arcades back then. But you identified an opportunity to create and grow and scale these businesses. But your heart really was in Bournemouth, was it? Yeah, I I, I loved it here, um, and I uh, I think um, uh, you know the the, what the West Beach deal sort of consolidated me uh, staying here, really. Um, and you know, I loved the beach, and and in those days. Uh, there, there wasn't any real quality beachside trading. You know, the, yeah. the West Beach was a, a takeaway, which I think even the council would say wasn't great. And uh, the the only decent uh, catering offer was something called Bistro on the Beach, mm. uh, which um, had plastic chairs mm. and uh, the toilets were, you know, outside a, a bit further down the, the, the prom. So that there wasn't really any... What did what did that what did obviously you're identifying that you actually there's an opportunity here in Bournemouth and actually put your sort of flag in the ground. You got a prime spot pricey there. Can yeah. you remember what Nobody knew it though. No one knew. No one knew it, obviously, because yeah. there was it was no social media to promote you. You'd have to promote by flight. Well nobody thought there was any value of trading on the beach. They just saw it as like a, a right? seasonal that you'd have three months. Summertime and that's so a it. bit of summertime sales. Yeah. And because nobody was working the sales and there was no real offer other yeah. than burger or hot dog. Yeah. Uh, that they weren't seen to be of any value, that, which is why the council were set ready to ship private, on. Private, do, you private. Remember, do you remember how much you paid for that all those in, years ago? In, in rent? Or, yeah. uh, do you own the freehold or is it you still rent? Freehold's owned by uh, America States, who own, okay. uh, who own you know, the Westcliff. Uh, uh, they own the beach. Yeah. Um, and that's on a thousand year lease to the council. Is it? And the council lease it to us. Okay, and how long have you been there for? Twenty, nearly twenty-two years. Is that right? Of of operating on that beach. Wow. Yeah. And how old were you at this time? Were you late thirties at this time when it was kind of West Beach? Uh, when so you went in there, nineteen ninety-nine. So uh, 
Yeah, sort of. Uh, so what's that? Uh, late thirties, early forties, something like that. <laughs> what is, so, so, Eight, so, late 30s, yeah. what made you identify going? I want to be the pioneer of creating some lovely restaurants on the beachfront, where before it was just a hot dog and a burger. Great question. Um, I'd uh, always loved, uh, even from when you know I was a hot carrier, uh, where, where, I, where you got paid quite a lot of money back in the days to do site work, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I'd always uh, taken what I'd earned and gone up to London and yeah. gone to those flash restaurants. Caprice yeah. was my favourite. Yeah. You know, Sheiky's back then. Uh, uh, all those, and there weren't that many of them that, not, uh, like there are now. And uh, so I'd always been fascinated by them. And they, they also sort of scared me a bit as a, as a sort of Bournemouth boy from, you know, very modest roots, you know, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, whose family had never been out to dinner or, you know, yeah. you know if, if, if you went out as a kid for a dinner or lunch, it would have to be something, you know, a serious celebration. Yeah. You know, people just didn't go out yeah. for dinner and lunch. So it fascinated me. The whole business fascinated me. How snooty it was, how snippy they were, how glamorous it was, how, you know, how... Uh, 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 you always felt overwhelmed by the, you know, the the the, the, the show, the London like. restaurant yeah, the feel. Show. Yeah, okay. And so it, it always kind of stuck with me. And um, uh, the uh, so so West Beach, the it was a um, just explain to people now what West Beach is to any listeners out there now what West Beach is. Uh, West Beach is a seafood restaurant. Yeah, um, right on the beach literally on, on the west uh side of bournemouth beach to, to the pier uh which has uh, been serving quality <laughs> fresh quality seafood but we you know obviously from our local shores yeah. uh you know for 20 21 odd years um but it's it's kind of what how would you describe it Dodge? i think it's shabby chic mate i think so. uh, well, it's a class, you know, it's it's a classy is, joint it, 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 it's, it's probably not, got the one of the best views in the country with beautiful yeah. golden sand out the front of it yeah, great walk by trade, beautiful restaurant, lovely food, good service. It's a nice vibe, and then what I've liked about it is how you've expanded and gone out onto the beach and created decking area and the beach areas, beach area yeah. and everything. So mm. just going, just going back there, did you would, did you want it to be a fish restaurant straight away? Was that your was that your goal? No, um, no. Uh, I, I went down with an old mate, uh, uh, a chap who you know very well, uh, called James Bronson. Legend, by and the way. Uh, you know, I, I said to Jay because James had helped me. Uh, we're, we're on the uh, bowling group. Bless we, his soul. We did a bless, 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 him, bless yeah. him, and uh, always mm. fondly remembered him. Much love, absolutely. Loved. Same here. Um, and you know, we all learned a lot from him. Uh, and uh, he was a helped me yeah. to a couple of clubs. Uh, we, we we opened a, a club called Quake in uh, this. Uh, Bowling, a uh, uh, big, huge bowling centre we had in Woking, which is one where, the f where we first started with the bowling business. And we, uh, there was a loading bay, and we we turned it into a club called Quake that James uh, helped me with. Mm. So I said, "Well, look, I've got this, uh, you know, bit of a deal on this place down on the beach. I remember when, from when I was a kid and going back to Juicy Juicy. You know, when 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 uh, we were kids, my brother. Whoa, 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 <laughs> okay, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Tell me about Juicy Juicy. Uh, melon Man. The Melon the Man. Melon Man. Tell me the story about Juicy Juicy. Well, we, my brother and I, decided, you know, we were always looking for a bit of an angle, and we uh, would buy melons in the morning from the market, mm. cut them up. We had a couple of trays and two. We wore T-shirts with Melon Man on the T-shirt <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and on the trays. And... Our patch, a skip where, where, you know, there wasn't too much patrol, you know, because Parky was down there to chuck you off. But, yeah. you know, just up by where West Beach is, yeah. it was a bit off the pitch, yeah. you know, from peer approach. And uh, so we'd go up and down with these melons cut up in a bit of old plastic or, 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 on trays going, juicy, juicy, <laughs> juicy. There's only one pair of decent melons on this beach and I've got them both. And I've got them <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> So West Beach, you know, I have rose-tinted uh, memories for me, you yeah. know. So I take James down there and he said, mate, I said, well, you know, what are we going to do with this? Uh, yeah, and we went on a filthy November day. It was pissing down and, like, you know, uh, didn't look very glamorous then at all. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, he said, 
tapas bars are all the rage now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tapas is, is where it's at. So, he, you know, he was ahead of his time. We're talking 1999. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was and, bang and on tapas it. is mm. still mm. all the rage. Mm. Um, so we turned it into, uh, it became a, a Mediterranean restaurant with tapas. Mm. Um, and the tapas counter is still on the pass. But some of the radical things with West Beach, and again, through beautiful naivety, yeah. the whole thing through great naivety, yeah. the whole survival of that is through naivety. Yeah. Um, we put an open kitchen in there, which was one of the first, first yeah. open passes. Mm. Honestly, when it opened it, you know, the food was great, but the service was just yeah. terrible. And, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was running the floor. Uh, and my ex-wife was helping me on the floor. And uh, I, somebody, a mate would come in, so you'd come in, you could smoke in the restaurants. Yeah. And have a, a mate would, I would have the uh, apron on, sort of serving the table. Mm. A mate would walk in, and I'd go, oh, I had a mate, and sit down and have a pint with them and a fag at the, yeah. you know, the table next door. And they'd be going to Jules, like, that black, that waiter is <laughs> he's, he's sitting there smoking. And she'd go, well, uh, Unfortunately, sir, that, that that waiter is the owner. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> and but it it was so hard because I did I didn't know the, the stuff. So I I just remember the stress of it. Uh, actually, going into the backyard and and quite often just being sick yeah. through the the level of stress of yeah. trying to keep up the service, not understanding how yeah. what it takes to. To, to, to service a restaurant like you know the team you need on it's a house. very uh, running a restaurant owning a restaurant is a very 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 difficult business yeah very difficult. A, a, every minute just for the, something list, can just go for the listener out there just give it let's, let's give us an overview of running a restaurant the stresses that you can come under is it the timings of the food is it the amount of chefs you got to have tell me what i i think it's just the fact that you're obviously you're only as good as your last meal yeah. uh, and um this was you know, pre TripAdvisor. Now uh, with TripAdvisor, you know it. It, 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 uh, it it's so much. It, it's 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 been taken out of context. I think you know people. I mean, I don't look at TripAdvisor when I go somewhere to look at where no, I'm going. No. I think you, you know that that. But prior prior to that, you know, you're as good as your last meal, and and everything can go wrong mm. every minute of the day, and everything does go wrong yeah. every minute of the day. That yeah. you know, there is something that there is you know, some issue every single day, yeah. there's a problem. So it is stressful. Um, uh, but uh, So you've had that, you've had West Beach now for 22 years. What was your next move? Have you bought any other bars? You've been in the nightclub world? Have you created anything, other restaurants within this period? What are the names of the brands that you have created? Uh, following on from West Beach, we did uh, the print room. Uh, which That's a was, lovely venue, isn't it? Which was the old... Art Deco Echo newspaper building yeah. in in the town centre, and uh, I was mates with the MD of the Echo, yeah. and and the whole when they went on to electronic printing, yeah. digital, the hot metal presses and the the whole uh, print room, the yeah. press room, uh, was redundant, and yeah. it was this huge, as you remember, yeah. you know, arena, beautiful space, beautiful space. If it was in London. If it was in London yeah. or Manchester or yeah. New York, yeah. um, and it was it was too ambitious for Bournemouth, and we spent way too much on it. Do you um, remember how much you spent on it, roughly? Uh, two million. Yeah, um, that's ballsy going straight. And what was your what was your mindset at that point to go? You know what I've seen this. Did you get too excited too early? Or? Well, I think back back to the naivety, which yeah. doesn't always work. Jump for you, in, but, yeah. but but uh, you know because I was again. You know, I, I loved all the London brasseries. Yeah. Yeah, they were my favourites. Of yeah. course, the Walsley was up there then and, and so on. And uh, the, the prison ones like Flip and Flow and yeah. all of those great, uh, yeah. Lip and, and Flow, rather, those those great prison brasseries. So my design brief to the designers was just give me, a, you know, a, 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 a French stroke, New York stroke, London brasserie. Yeah. And, and it had all of those features. I mean, the... Uh, the the toilets were cola toilets, which are the most expensive American type, you know, American brasserie yeah. uh, uh, toilets you can buy. It was it was just a, a, a real work of uh, love and passion. Yeah. And I think I seen because it was so fantastic, uh, and you know I loved it so much. Um, and uh, you know brasseries were generally so successful and and had such longevity that you know it couldn't fail. But it was in it was just too far out of town. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you say just fire town. It was actually in the center of town, but it was just the wrong, yeah. wrong road away Shit. from the masses, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was yeah. just uh, you know 100, 100 200 feet yeah. too high up Richmond Hill. Yeah, um, I think it was perceived as 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 very expensive with the you know massive Italian chandeliers that were handmade right. and all that type of stuff. Stunning, uh, the, literally stunning, yeah, wasn't it? It was a, a yeah. fantastic venue, yeah. and, and the overhead of it was was huge. Also, because uh, and and this is, I think, an important lesson to anybody going in the business, really, who has aspirations to do something really, uh, you know, outstanding, is that if you do that in your design and offer, you're 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 setting the bar at such a level. You're mm. setting the the, you're, the 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 customer's diner expectation at such a level that if, if your front of house, if your service can't you know, match that expectation, no matter what you're charging for it, um, it, you, you're going to fail. And, and for me, the, the the front of the house is always way, way, way harder than the kitchen. I, yeah. You know, we've always been able to do good food, yeah. not easily. Yeah. You know, it's always been a, a chore, yeah. and it's a chore at the moment, especially with all the staff shortages. Yeah. But you've got to you've got to get your front of house right. And I think that's the hardest thing. And I, I, I'm still learning on it yeah. every day. That's nice know. to hear because we're all learning, aren't we? Uh, just break like, down front of house, what you mean by front of house, how important and what actually that is to create that initial vibe when someone walks in and that feel. Well, that initial vibe is the most important yeah. thing. So, you know, the, the contact, the eye contact, you know, even on a bar, running a bar, you know this, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you, you have this brief when, when you've got, I don't know, hundreds of bar staff at yeah. Rugby Sevens yeah. saying like, you know, when when you've got, uh, and, and I'll go on to Aruba in a minute, which I opened only... Uh, a month or so after the print room, uh, which were two 10,000 square foot massive venues. Mm. You know, Aruba mm. was very expensive as well. If, you, if you've got, a, especially a cocktail bar, which is slow, and you've got, you know, a wall of people in front of you, mm. you all you've got to do and clock it, is clock them, look at them, Make and say, I'll be with you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Just, just that contact. And that, that, that's the main thing, you know, when you walk into a restaurant yeah. and somebody touches you, got you, you know, hi. You know, have you got a table booked? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Well, let me see what we can find you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and sell, 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 yes. sell. Yeah. Uh, you know, that it is a pure, it is a selling operation. Absolutely. You know, it's the power of the language as well. You just nailed it there. Have you booked? No. Well, let me see if I can find you a table. Yeah. You know, I've only just found you a table. Would you like it? Yeah. Straight away, there's yeah. a lot of love there. And then, you know, uh, because they haven't got a table, they're probably going to have to wait a bit at the bar. So yeah. then the barman needs to, you know, go over get the cocktail, top. Yeah. gin and tonic. Yeah. You want a beer, yeah. up, you know, another sales straight in. Yeah. Um, and then it's the only business in the world where <laughs> you can hard sell somebody at a table, stand over them, yeah. hard sell them into, you know, you, you should try this uh, Pecorillo, uh, you know, it's only 48 quid. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, you've got to try uh, you know, the uh, um, treacle tart, whatever. Um, uh, and they call it service. Yeah. You know, and if they're not sold to, if you're yeah. not selling to them, if you're not attending to them, if you're not keeping their bill up, yeah, you've given bad service. Yeah. So, so it, it 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 is if 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 you understand it and can work with that, uh, you know, know it. The best selling arena in the world because really you can sell anything, of course, uh, because that's what they want. Yeah, of course. So with so with the print rooms, what roughly year did you take that on? How long did it take to do up? Yeah, and when was the, when was the point you thought, oh god, I'm so balls in deep here. I need to get out of this. Ah, oh, see, ah, that's the other lesson I would like to go impart. On. Go if on, go on. Yeah, I was so entrenched uh, and and so um, so determined to make it work at all costs that I missed several opportunities to uh, to get out when I could have done. Um, you know, you just hang on in there. You've got to know when to cut your losses. So, yeah. yeah. I That's a very good lesson there, Price. You got to know got to, to get know. out. Got to get out. But Anyone you know, listen? Your pride yeah. level at though. Yeah. You know, uh, when you're young like that, and I suppose well, again, what was that sort of? You know, still, still in my thirties. Yeah. It, it was or early forties. Yeah. You, you, you have this sort of pride level. That you, was you it know, ego? Just Ego uh, stroke, well, I, pride. I, to I had, I had not to wanting. Investors. Was it not investors. wanting people to see you fail, or was it not wanting to upset the investors? That you must have been juggling so much in yeah, your mind. Then it, it was, it, it was because um, you know I, 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 I saw a glittery uh, uh, career in 
uh, hospitality ahead mm-hmm. of me. I, d- I didn't want to fail. I was very conscious yeah. of what everybody thought. Yeah. You know, and I was sitting on lots of committees and stuff then doing lots of sort of tourism stuff and, you know, all, all of those sort of, you know, business networking yeah. type stuff, uh, you know. Um, so I didn't want to fail. But also I had I had investors, serious investors. Yeah. That that you know I I'm yeah uh, uh, who were mates yeah. that that I was just desperate to get the money back for, so we we actually at one you know this talking about when we should have got out. Um, how many years in were you thinking like you look back now? Oh, how many years in? in were well, you we you never went, made a profit. No. Um, how many years in were you? We go. I need. To, I should have got out then. What year was that? Was it the first year, the second year, the should, third year? Should have, should have sold it within the second or third year. I and how it. long did you take it up till to it? Um, when? So we started... Six years? 2007, and I suppose uh, um, didn't get out of that until, you know, 15, 16. Wow. So a good eight, nine years yeah, in that. Yeah. And it was brutal. It was just Was it hemorrhaging money? Yeah. And every day I was on the floor down there yeah. with um, um, my... Close friend and great operations director, Matt Piervan, who's been with me for so thick and thin for 15, yeah. 16 years. It, you know, it was ever so painful. Um, yeah. Because whatever, uh, and then the other mistake you make is instead of st- sticking to what you'd set out to do, yeah. you keep changing the plan. Keep tweaking. Well, we're going to go afternoon tea yeah, and we're okay. going to change the offer. We'll go more bistro. Yeah. You know, we'll change, you, you know, uh, we'll change this up. Uh, we'll take the charcuterie bar out because yeah. we had, it had its own. You know, again, talking cutting edge, it had a a, a, a charcuterie bar, man, you know, staff charcuterie bar in the whites and an oyster bar. Bloody hell. Uh, plus, what were you thinking? You know, you massive thinking? private dining areas, you know, had a separate corner bar called Ink that actually had its own identity. That's right. What were you thinking? Because you created an, a wonderful brand, a wonderful restaurant, mm. great service, did a, but the people weren't there. There wasn't the demographic down here to make that work. No. You were relying on a Friday and Saturday crowd, and you can't rely on businesses for a one or two day no. crowd these days. Did you Big do, mistake, given that I was in marketing. That's what I mean. My point the, is marketing was my background, which I that, thought was one of my great strengths. That's right. So at that point, you must did you look at the demographic and you know what people won't be able to afford this, or it's too upmarket, or we're not going to get the masses as we need three, four nights a week to make this business work because the rent and rates were so high. Or did that not even occur? You um, thought, you know what, I'm we, just going for it. We did, you know, all, all the forecasts are, are on sales and so on. Um, and and at the peak, you know, it what it was doing, you know, we could have hit 50, 60 grand a week. But, you know, in the first year or two. Uh, but if, we, you know, if we've been able to consolidate that, I, mm. I think Bournemouth, like a lot of provinces, um, you know, things come in and out of yeah. fashion very yeah. quickly. Every couple you know, of years. I, I know, you know, yeah. I've had a few of those. Um, and, uh, you know, just simply the the, the, the overhead, the the, echo, the deal I did with the Echo, um, they they gave me um, a, a large sum to do what we call the enabling works because it was an industrial yeah. space. I should never have taken that on. Yeah. I should have said, right, if you want to rent it, you give it me and Shell and Coors yeah. uh, as a restaurant. You know, again, a lot of naivety. Yeah. Um, so they so just go just just hold that thought there. They gave you money to rip it all out and convert it. Did you say to to create shell and course? So I had so I had a base. I had clean walls. Yeah, I had okay. solid, You know, floor. So then I had electric, you could then invest power, you know, into yeah, facilities. All the shop okay. fitting. Yeah, okay. To put the shop fit in, okay. and that alone cost a quarter of a million quid. I think. How much money did they give you to take it back to a shell? And how much money did you have to invest into the print room to take it to a level to open the doors ready for launch? Uh, well, they they gave us two hundred and something thousand. I think we went over that uh, at about two fifty. So we're already, you know, uh, you know, behind the eight ball. And then we spent, you, you know, amazingly, you could borrow that. You know, I, I'm uh, borrowed. Um, I think, I think I borrowed a million off um, Bank of Scotland for a restaurant. Yeah, which takes a bit of doing. I yeah. mean, you can't borrow money for restaurants. Yeah, now that's right. At all. Yeah. Um, and of course, that that preempted the crisis. You know, that was just as don't forget two thousand and seven. So just when we before opened. the recession yeah. hit, and the so we 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 opened into. Yeah. I mean, two thousand and eight was the meltdown. That's the, right. You know, the Great Depression or Great Recession. That's when I launched Bournemouth Sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So was what, that... a, what a year. So so you know we had yeah. you know I had everything uh, against us, and and I you know battled on till two thousand sixteen. But in the meantime, this yeah. is the worst bit. Yeah. 
West Beach was a success. Yeah. My baby still, you yeah. know, loads of bits. Uh, Aruba opened. So Aruba, the, basically, there was an opportunity. There was a nightclub on the Bournemouth Pier called Show... It's called Show Bar, the run by show the council. Bar, run by the council. The opportunity yeah. to come up that someone could take that on and lease yeah. that. You ripped it all out and created... A, what, explain to the listeners uh, here well, what you created on the pier. Uh, a, 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 I suppose a, a, a British version of what we saw as a European stroke international uh, beach club, beach restaurant. Yeah. Um, I wanted it slightly tiki, but we decided to make it more British. Uh, huge cocktail bar, yeah. uh, international menu. Uh, running Massive through, bar, massive circular. Yeah, massive, two and a half yeah. thousand square feet. Wow. Um, uh, uh, running through, you know, a proper chameleon bar, running from breakfast through into lunch, afternoon drinking, cocktails, early evening, yeah. dinner, yeah. nightclub. Yeah. So it was, it was trading all all day. Was that an actual, Was that a niche you had to scratch again, or was that just an opportunity you saw that you could create something new for Bournemouth? Yeah, well, it had a, it had, because it's a nightclub, it had old sui generis planning, which meant you could do what you like. And the licenses. Uh, and it had a 24-hour license, and there, there was nobody around it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, to create a, a, a sort of monster bar and, um, you know, thankfully, you know, pizza, burger, chicken and chips, yeah. uh, all cooked to order in, yeah. in the restaurant mainstream offer everything yeah. mainstream but our cocktails are fantastic yeah. you know the music was great dj's great and and it became the the place to, to be yeah so we could have a queue you know uh down to harry ramps right. if anybody knows the area yeah. but um so that so for all the most of the years at the print room yeah. was was losing hand over fist yeah. you know i was sponsoring one way or another from putting more money in from aruba yeah. or from west beach uh, and of course, the poor, you know, uh, long-suffering investors yeah. who who kept supporting it as well, you know, and that that was the the, the mistake, you yeah. know, absolute mistake. But you know, Peter the poor, you know, if you if, if, if you've got something, and you know, everybody was telling me at the time, you know, if you've got something that's hemorrhaging like that, yeah, get rid. Just cut off my my accountant. Yeah. Everybody was saying, just get rid, get out, yeah. And uh, you know, you're sort of paralyzed with it because you're really stressed as yeah. well you're in a sort of deep stress situation every day is hell yeah. my office was in there that's right you know uh so above you, the print rooms isn't it yeah yeah and so so you're not thinking straight yeah and then you know so aruba was sub and the other business was something like anyway the, the print room went down eventually and uh i think that that's what sort of you know where i was thinking of probably having a glittering hospitality career yeah. and doing chain of west beaches and more rubers and yeah. you know i've got a concept for you know various different types of uh hospitality um projects uh you know we we got i got crippled with the print room really you yeah. know not just financially but reputation wise yeah. you know um emotionally you know that just totally you know not me for six really just going back there uh, going back to print room, you got investors on board. Are you selling the investors a dream of what we believe this can be? Here are the here, here's the designs. We believe we can do fifty grand a week. We can do two and a half million quid a year on this. Are investors buying your dream? They're buying into the glamour. Everybody wants to own a restaurant. It was a, you know this was such a glamorous venue. Yeah. Um. That I think that yeah they were buying the dream of uh, being part know, owner of, of part owner and, and being looked after and uh you being you know saying I'm part of that yeah. but at, whilst making money. Yeah. You know and uh, that's what I sold them. Yeah. Yeah. Was it hard at points with your investors to explain why it's not working? Yeah, uh, it, it, because to all intents and purposes, it looked like it was. So, and you, 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 every time you take the figures in, you have a sort of quarterly meeting. You go, well, you know, it's not actually doing that well, yeah. uh, or, or you know, we're not made a profit yet. Yeah. Uh, you, you, we were all thinking, you know, well, it's just gonna, you know, it's gonna build so much traction. It's such an iconic venue. It's only gonna get busier. Mm. You know, we're paying down the loans. Um, uh, you know, we're getting more efficient on our margins. You know, of course, when you open your staff costs are way too high, your paints, you know, your your, your wastage on everything's yeah. too high. Your stuff's getting nicked because you haven't got all the control procedures yeah. properly in. Um, 
Um, and so the, the, the margins and staff costs uh, percentage were getting better, but but, but sales were, were, were dropping. Um, and so, you know, after, you know, I, th I think probably within, you know, I, I think it's probably the fourth year where we yeah. all realised that. How did you how did you personally deal with the stress and pressures? What was going on right now? Well, uh, actually, I, this, this one will surprise you. Mm. Um, you know, uh, naturally enough, you probably drink too much. I mean, drinking is, is you know, endemic, your, your, your occupational hazard. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so you, you tend to try and sort of block the stress out of it. But uh, I am... Um, got into meditation, transcendental meditation, like probably in the sort of late 90s, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, meditation, um, I always found a way, uh, and, and I've kind of lost the, 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 my way with that now. I'd like to get back to it at some point. But that was a way I found of, yeah. of, of just trying to calm know, keep the mind. yourself calm down and, and, mm. and, 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 you know, stop being terrified of it. Yeah. So did you, did you, the movement there, so we've gone from the arcades, we've gone from the bowling alleys, we've gone to the opportunity at West Beach, which has become a huge yeah. success, and you've had that for 22 years. Yeah. We've then moved on to the uh, the new business opportunity with investors for the print rooms and the, yeah. the bar next door. Then the opportunity come out to create Aruba, which you've yeah. absolutely smashed yeah. Aruba, and hats off to you on that yeah. one, because that, that was a great... That was a great find. It was great you got in there early yeah. doors. Thank you, Matt. What's the what's the next movement for you after that? Or are you consolidating now to go? You know what? I know what works. I don't need to overextend myself. Let's keep the, the tight. Let's keep a tight ship, and let's make sure that these two businesses are working well. Uh, I'm sort of gradually dipping my toe into doing more because you know at the end of the day I don't want to retire, and I, yeah. I think I've got another good ten years in me, and yeah. I think I'm over the print room, and I'm I'm over what uh, I don't really care. Uh, what people think yeah. I, I, I don't do anything you know i certainly don't do uh, uh certainly not in the restaurant business for kudos or yeah. you know appreciation or because i think it's cool but uh, so i just want to go back a bit there was a point i think it might have been a year ago when you said i need a break i need to stop boozing i need to stop partying i want to find myself i want to go to south africa i want to go to thailand i want to go to these wonderful places what what was that that triggered that for you? I, I you know I um I, I just not but I was unhappy. Yeah. I think that's it. You know anything where you're drinking too much or or, or any any other uh, sort of uh, uh, negative indulgences or overindulgences. I, I think it generally is a result of of, of of you being unhappy one way or another. Um and uh, you know I I think it, my father died. Uh, and that uh, that that hit me hard, uh, but also gave me a bit of an excuse for a bit of bad behaviour. Um, and um, uh, I had a few sort of bad relationships, and um, you know, I, I, was, I just knew that I, I I wasn't being myself. I wasn't you know performing. You know, I was a bit off the rails, and so um, I decided to you know have a have a, a, a detox in. Um, uh, in South Africa, which which was just one of the best things you know I've ever done, and so I had three months there, which was which was fantastic. Great football there, yeah. you know, really cool people from all walks of life, and um, you know that that I think sort of starts to re a reset. If yeah. You like, yeah. You know. When you came back and you started having a few drinks again, you came back a different person. I saw a different person in you, and I saw a person who brought wonderful smiles back and you had a wonderful smile back on your face you were happy you were looking for love you were looking for something and then this amazing woman tony comes into your life yeah and really made it yeah really made yeah. it and you're getting married next year yeah next year yeah can't wait and to the stag <laughs> and the wedding everything goes with it but i just want to i just want to i just want to end on this because it's really point it's really important that yeah um that you found absolute love and you're at peace with one. And when I see you two together as a couple, it's really, really lovely to see. Isn't it great? And now you, you, when you say it like that, you know, uh, mindfully, I'm, you know, I think that's because I was in a position uh, to receive it and attract it, yeah. you know, and, you know, I do, there's a lot in the law of attraction yeah. and, and, you know, your consciousness and, yeah. you know, how you are, what, what, what you, you give off. Attract, yeah, agree. What you give up, what you think. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I, will, will attract. And yeah, I think I was just absolutely in the right place for it. And Tony came along, you know, and we met outside of West Beach in the lockdown. So we were together, you know, night and day through the, the lockdown, which is a good test yeah. of a marriage, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky. And yeah, uh, and life is good, yeah. really good. Pricey, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks. We've been mates for a good 15, 16 years. I love your yeah. company. And we were chatting the other day about spending Cheers. more and more time together. Um, thank you for your honesty on this. You've lived an absolute eventful life. Thanks and I know God. this is your first podcast. It is. We've gone, we've gone through the journey up and round and yeah. whatever you, but I really, yeah, but I've really enjoyed it, mate. And I do appreciate you coming on. If people can learn from this about the failures, the highs, the lows, the pressures of hospitality world and a massive shout out to our wonderful group of friends as well. Absolutely. I've nice thoroughly one. enjoyed it. Josh. Good man. Thank nice you one, Pricey. Much. Really appreciate Take it. Take care, mate. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you.